Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome back to the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Pelican Built Tough. For all situations, go to pelican.com. Yak Gadget. For all your fine kayak fishing accessory needs, go to yakgadget.com. Eastport Marina on the beautiful shores of Dale Hollow Lake. For all your lodging, kayaking, and fishing needs, go to eastport.info. Now let's get this show started. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another segment of uh, Chasing the Tide, your saltwater connection on the Paddle and Fin Podcast. I'm your host, Dustin Nichols, coming at you tonight. I just want to give a little, uh, like, brief update of what all's been going on. Uh, You know, it's kind of out of pocket here lately. Um, You know, I was over in Georgia visiting family and friends, and uh, we happened to lose my mom when I was over there. So, you know, uh, dealing with all of that, you know, been rough, uh, you know, just – getting on the water, spend some time, definitely, you know, fishing is my therapy. So, you know, that, that helps out a ton. So just, uh, wrapped up, uh, the regular season for the professional redfish league. Um, kind of a tough day for me. I lost a couple key fish, had one good one, you know, 7.18. I was right there. I just need another one. I had her on too. Uh, you know, it's just always funny how these fish, you know, four or five of them chase your lure once decided to commit. And, you know, you fight the fish, you get right next to the kayak, you're about to grab the net and then, it just uh shakes his head, opens his mouth, and then your your wake bait just floats to the surface like it was never even pinned. It's like, how in the world is them six points on that treble hook um not connecting with anything? You know, it's crazy. Sometimes them fish just just mouth your lure and just spit it out like it was nothing. <laughs> well, you know, this this how it is. It's fishing, not catching. You don't always get them in the boat. So hey, we got a special guest tonight. We got a good, good, good thing going here. We got a uh, if any of you out there are fans of uh, fishing YouTube, you've probably seen some of his videos. Um, we got David Foreman, also known as Trail Chaser. We got him on tonight, bringing him in right now. All righty. What's going on, man? <laughs> oh, not much. Just hanging out after work. 
hanging out after work. Yep. Good to have you on the show, man. I've been meaning to bring you on. You know, so it's uh, you know, good good to have you on, man. You know, we're, we kind of fish some of the same areas, and uh, it's pretty pretty cool. You know, we run into each other here and there on the water at times, or we we join each other too. You know, so what all is going on with you? Man, I just been fishing as much as I can. You know, if I'm not fishing, I'm sleeping or working. But yeah, doing a lot of fishing lately. It's been it's been hot, but it's been good. Yeah, I've seen some videos lately. All those school and redfish, uh, been pretty cool. You know, um, there's some areas where they're not quite bunched up yet, uh, but there's some areas where they're just absolutely turned on right now. It's crazy. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, cool deal, man. Well, uh, you know, normally we just start the show. We want to ask everybody, uh, you know, ask you to introduce yourself and give a little background, you know, what all, you know, how you started fishing and, and then, you know, what eventually led you into that kayak, man. Well, I'm, I'm David and I started fishing and I, honestly, I don't remember when because I was so young, but I've, I've been fishing all my life. You know, I grew up on the beach down there south of uh, High Island, pretty much just right on the coast. And it's, you know, it's kind of been my life, all my life so far. And as far as getting into kayak fishing, I got an inflatable kayak about 20 years ago. And that, that kind of set me free, you know, as far as being able to go where I wanted to go. Yeah. I could, I could see some rivers off the side of the road and I could go and explore, you know, it was kind of opened a whole new window of fishing for me. But I did a lot of fishing out, you know, right offshore in the Gulf. I didn't, go out to the rigs or anything with it, but getting out to that third sandbar and catching a few bull reds and trying to try not to catch sharks, but end up mostly catching sharks. Yeah, no doubt. But yeah, I moved here about seven years ago to the Port O'Connor, you know, just the Victoria area. And that's, that's when I kind of fell in love with sight casting reds. I, I had never seen reds in the water before I moved here. You know, I called them down there in the Galveston Bay area, but I had never actually been able to, to see the redfish. And the first time I did see one, I really thought it was like something was wrong with the fish. I was like, oh, that thing must be dying or something over there. But I went ahead and pitched a lure at it and it, you know, gobbled it up like it was mad at it. And I was like, wait a minute, this is, you know, this is something else. So, of course, you know, that snowballed into where I am now and I ended up getting my first plastic kayak because I wanted to be able to stand up. You know, if I stood up in my inflatable kayak, it was basically just folded underneath me. So I got that, that little emotion kayak mm -hmm. only for the purpose of being able to stand up and, and sight cast redfish. But yeah, it's, it's been a blast. You know, it, it really has. I, I really can't think of any other way I'd rather spend my time. And it's kind of nice to be able to just jump in the truck and run down to the water and not be too far away. Yeah, no doubt. And then, uh, you know, getting into that though, you know, you you started filming a lot of your outings, which, which led to your YouTube channel, um, Trail Chaser. And if you can give a little backstory on that, that'd be cool for everybody that listens to this podcast, you know, and, and how that name came about because you actually. It was some trail rides for motorcycles or something at the time you started. You can give right, a little background started, on that. Yeah, I, I started out with uh, off-road trucks, and that's where the name came from. You know, I, I joined an off-road forum, and I needed a, 
a screen, you know, like a avatar name or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I had a Pathfinder, you know, the Nissan Pathfinder. And I was like, okay, what's the Pathfinder? I'll just be Trail Chaser. That'll work. And yeah. that would have been back in probably 2005, 2006. And, you know, we, we did a lot of trail runs and we were taking videos with our little camcorders back then and dubbing them over onto VCR tapes and passing them out at the club meetings. And then somebody was like, hey, have you heard of this website called YouTube where you can just upload that? And then instead of giving us the videos, you could just give us a link or you could just post the link in the forums. Yeah. And so I joined YouTube and that was in 2007 when I joined YouTube and I just, you know, carry that name over onto YouTube. And now when people see my, my redfish videos, they automatically assume it's, it's tail chaser because I'm always, you know, kind of chasing tailing reds or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I I decided that the off-road stuff was getting a little too expensive somewhere around 2010 and kind of got out of that and into motorcycles because motorcycles were substantially cheaper and just kind of fell in love with dirt bikes started doing that made a bunch of dirt biking videos and that's kind of what got my channel off the ground and a little more popular and when i moved here to texas i had to pretty much get rid of my dirt bike because i was getting i was getting tired of all the close calls with the people that were you know texting and driving instead of driving so i just got rid of that and i mean on my on one of my last videos i kind of did that at the end of the of the motorcycle video i'm like hey i'm gonna throw a little fishing video in here for y'all and just kind of tell me what you think about it because i'm thinking about just going that route you know stopping the motorcycle videos and just doing fishing videos and to my surprise i got a, a really positive reaction from my audience and i'm not sure how many subscribers i had at that point but i just went full on into fishing videos <clears throat> and if you and if you watch my my playlist from the beginning to now, I, I'm actually evolved pretty much, you know, from just soaking bait. And then I started using lures. You know, I got sponsored by Slayer in the sense of he would send me lures anytime I needed them. And they are great lures if anybody's looking for some. But yeah, old Chris, the master chef yeah, doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, straight from that to fly fishing. And I don't, you know, I still consider myself to be a like a transitional fisherman. I like I went out with my with my good friend of forty years last uh, Saturday, and I I probably used the fly rod for about five minutes that trip, you know, because he's a conventional fisherman. So we just threw paddle tails all day, and he got his first Texas slam, and we both caught a lot of redfish and a lot of trout, you know. We actually, because it was right after that rain we got, and we mm-hmm. found some really nice trout in a place I would not have expected to see trout. You know, we caught our first one. I was like, oh, that's a fluke, you know. I mean, it's a trout, but it's a fluke that we caught him. Yeah, yeah. And then the second and third came along, and we were just like, what is going on here? You know, this is – so, yeah, that – and the water temperature dropped, you know, from the high 80s, low 90s down to the low 80s. Yeah, pretty much but that rain helped it, sure enough. Man. But, yeah, just rolling over into that, you transitioned your, your you know, your off-road and motorcycle riding into your fishing channel, and then, man, your your channel's grown a lot over the years, you know, you know, and I, you know, as being being a you on YouTube and an angler, you know, it's kind of, you know, you establish a good fan base and followers 
Yeah, I think I I still say my my number, you know, is a little inflated because I had that one viral fishing video. And and if you get those kind of videos, you get a lot of the fly by night subscribers, you know, where they're just hitting the subscribe button because you said something about it during the video. Yeah, there's no intentions of ever coming back and checking you out. But hey, and I took a pretty big hit when I started doing fly fishing videos. I have to admit, you know, and and I understand because when I wasn't fly fishing. I didn't want to watch live fishing videos, yeah. but you know, it's, it's enough fun and I recommend everybody check it out, try it out because you know, it was worth it to me to just go into it full force. And I really feel like it's something that, you know, it, it's made me a better fisherman. It's made me understand redfish a little better Yeah, as far as what I can get away with when I'm trying to catch them and you know, how sneaky I need to be. <laughs> Oh yeah. Some days you, you can freaking make all the noise in the world and it don't bother them one bit. Other days you, 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 you know, you bump the side of the kayak or you, you drop a, a hook on the deck and they're gone, <laughs> you know, yeah. be finicky at times, you know, but yeah, that's what I was going to say. You, you built your followers up and everything. And, and as far as YouTube makers go, you're probably one of the ones I respect pretty much the most because of, a ton of them out there burn spots to gain followers, and uh, you're not one of them. So, props on that. <laughs> I tell people a lot. You know, if if you're watching one of my videos, you're probably not seeing anybody in the background. Nobody's fishing around me, and there's a good reason for that. You know, and if you fish a lot of undisclosed locations, then it's it's not too hard to keep them in the undisclosed category. Yeah, you know, there are some places where. You know, you get, you get the internet sleuths out there where they're willing to spend the hours and grind it out on on Google Maps and Google Earth and and hey, I say more power to those guys. You know, if if yep. it means that much to you to find a spot that I was fishing in, then I'll I'll be happy to see you out there. But yeah. it's it's kind of rare, you know, and and we actually have a luxury here of not being in a super populated area. When I go down to Aransas Pass and fish in the Galveston area it really blows my mind how many kayak fishermen are out there, you know, yeah. not just fishermen in general, but actually kayak fishermen. Kayaks. Corpus and the same way. Aransas Pass, Rockport, Corpus, man, there's, you see kayaks everywhere. It's crazy. Right. And we, we got us a nice little, it's like we got us a little hidden gym right in the middle of everything. And, and it's, it's nice. I mean, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. You still see quite a few every now and then you'll, you'll pass over some spots and you'll like see, you know, there was a group of kids uh, back in the winter, you know, and they were all launching their kayaks and they were like, I was like, man, I said, y'all don't have any lights, no marker lights or no 360 light form? No, sir. I said, where's y'all's PFDs at? What? And I was like, man, I said, you don't have to wear it, but you have to have one on the vessel per, per uh, you know, Texas Parks and Wildlife. And it was still pitch black. I mean, there was no, no sunrise for a while. You know, and I was like, man, that's a couple of costly tickets if y'all going to chance that. You know, man, they still went on out there. I said, man, you know how many accidents have happened, you know? And it was just recently we had lost that in our, uh, the boat channel there in Aransas Pass, Port Aransas. You know, we just lost somebody. So it's it's kind of hard to see that. And, you know, you try to, you know, help the the young anglers and stuff coming up. But, you know, when they just don't have any common sense and don't even care, it's kind of hard to help somebody, right? <laughs> I, I know that's the truth. And a lot of times, you know, people take offense when you're just trying to be helpful and trying to show, you know, some support, give them some advice. 
but it it could be dangerous in a hurry, you know. The worst one I've ever seen was uh actually on the Vaca River. And it was a guy, he had one of those little vinyl rafts from Walmart, and he blew it up by mouth for I I'd say a solid hour while I sat there. And he got it about halfway blown up, decided, you know what, this'll float me, it's good enough. And a northern had just blown through. And I mean it was it was blowing and going. It was doing it whips down that river. Yeah, it whips down that river. So he launches, and I'm telling him, you know, I'm being real polite about it. I'm like, hey, that's not really a good idea. You know, if nothing else, get you a 20-foot rope or something so you don't get, you know, so you don't get blown across the river. He's like, oh, no, I do this all the time. I do this all the time. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so he, uh, I took three pictures of him, one right as he launched, and then another one exactly one minute later, and he was already probably further than you could realistically paddle a kayak. <laughs> And he all he had was this little plastic oar that came with it. But the long story short is that I ended up calling Scott Hawley, the game warden, and told him that I'm like, hey, man, you might want to come bring your boat down here and do a on the water rescue because it hasn't gotten to that point yet. But it's it's going to be there soon because there is no way in hell this guy's packing his little final raft back up to the to the boat ramp Mm -hmm. from down river. And he went down there and got him off of uh the bank and brought him back in but but yeah the guy had had no life jacket had you know i mean i think the worst thing and i'm not trying to like talk smack about anybody in particular but yeah i don't think he had a clue you know because and that's a that's a big deal you know you a lot of people let confidence get them in trouble you know like hey i just want to do it and i don't care and i'll you know and it's that whole hindsight's 2020 back and bite you and in a water situation. Oh, it sure you know, will. It don't, it don't take much to get into a panic, and that's usually where, you know, where it goes bad. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it, I, I get flack all the time for, you know, talking about PFDs and all that. I mean, representing the kayak brand is important, and we do wear them and promote kayak safety. But being, you know, combat swimmer, water survival instructor in the Marine Corps, I still wear my life jacket even on the flats and everything. I mean, that thing's not coming off. If it's an extension of me already, you know. And if that doesn't say nothing, I can swim. I've surfed big waves. I've surfed sunset. I've surfed pipe. I've surfed all kind of stuff. You know, some heavy water. And, and, and I'm still have my PFD on, so that should speak volumes right there for those out there that are skeptical. <laughs> oh yeah, for show, sure. for show. Sure. But hey, man, we're gonna, I'm gonna. I wanted to bring up your little uh, John Skiff. <laughs> it's not a kayak, but, but uh, you sure took and converted a uh, a John boat into a nice little skinny water machine. <laughs> what brought I mean, that about? It's I treat it like it's just a big kayak. You know, it's yep. I can. I'm not. I'm not going to stretch it and say I can go. You know, in all the places that I can take a kayak. But it, it'll go almost all the places I can take a kayak. And the and the really good thing is, is I can get there a lot faster. Yeah. And, you know, it it extends my range. But the bad thing is, it's still a boat. Whenever that motor's running, all you hear is that motor running. You know, I mean, it, it gets me where I want to go a lot faster. And it extends my range, you know, and I get to explore a lot of water that I can't really that I can't realistically get to in a kayak all in one day, especially when I know it's going to be blistering hot by noon. Yeah. Yep. You know, but 
it, it really has changed the game for me and mainly in just being able to explore new water. You know, like that place I was telling you that I brought my old friend to, we had never been able to go on kayaks. It was way, way too far away. Yeah. And it's, it's stuff like that that really makes me appreciate having it. And the other good thing about it is, is when it does get blistering hot, I can make my own wind. Oh, <laughs> I know, right? Just get out of the marsh real quick, and you know, and on a kayak, you're you're dealing with it. Oh yeah, man. But it was nice. Pretty warm lately. <laughs> I think I checked the let's check the uh, Lavaca Bay water temp uh, there at the. The data buoy, the title, it gives you title information, pressure, wind, water temp, and all that. And it is it is in the shallow part of the bay system right there by the fishing pier in Lavaca Bay. It was showing 92 water temp. That's, pretty yeah, cool. that's what my finder says when I'm out there. I mean, it's it's getting hot. That's There's no cool. doubt. Did you see the, yeah, the you saw little shad kill? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was, you know. I was just, you know, thankful I didn't see any reds in there because I know how delicate the shad are. Oh you know, yeah, it's not that they died, but it's not very surprising. You know, they that's get why so bad many bad. of them hatch. <laughs> right, and that's what I was telling you. Know, somebody was actually showing like real concern, and I was like, "Oh no!" I'm like, "If you go right off the marsh drain into the lake, it looks like there's clouds out there because you can see the darker parts of the water, but it's mm-hmm. just clear blue sky." And it's not clouds, it's all shad. And it's millions and millions of them. And then you go out into the river, and it's kind of the same thing out in the river. So, I mean, that that was a 0.001% of them. but yeah, it's very small percent, yeah. But yeah, it's still... We got a, got a pretty good shrimp hatch, too, right now. I've seen it. I've seen a lot of, you know, uh, two-inch shrimp. That's what I was going to say. The ones I'm seeing on new hatch, they're, you know, they're finger-sized. I could... They're, I'm yeah, they're about one to two-inch, yeah. Yeah, I'm starting to see a bunch of them, you know, pretty much. And you can't get shrimp at the bait shops. I'm assuming it's because the shrimp boats can't get back there where the shrimp are at right now. Right, right. They are, they are on the back lakes like crazy. Yeah, there's a lot of shrimp for sure in the back lakes. That's what I was saying. I've been running through some areas, and then it's just like scattering everywhere, you know. There's still plenty of shad, but there's definitely some shrimp. And then I've, I've noticed a lot of a lot of big black drum in the in the back base right now, in the back lakes. Big. I caught one. I posted it last week. I caught one probably 36 inches or so, maybe a little bigger. I don't know. It was gigantic. <laughs> Big old head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there was uh, about fishing too is a lot of times if I just have paddle tails, I'll pass a tailing black drum because I know I'm just gonna get frustrated because he's I'm, you know, unless I'm just soaking my stuff in procure or something. That's what I did. Crab procure. <laughs> so with that fly rod though, it just yeah. has to just get that little crab fly or that little shrimp fly to get in front of it where they can make eye contact and move. Mm-hmm. They'll jump on it. You'll see them do the little lunge, you know, or yeah. mm-hmm. for those guys, it's not a little lunge, but yeah, they're, they're a nice fight. They yeah. are, pretty, they are a pretty good puller. Yeah. I, 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 I take a handful of them though, handful of them 22 inch ones into the frying pan. <laughs> and honestly, I tell people that all the time and I don't think a lot of people believe me, but if I had my choice, I'd want to keep redfish that were like 15 to 18 inches. Yes. But because I don't have that choice, the alternative is black drum. Yep. And 18 man, to 21 inch black drum. Whew. 
and I think they're I think they're actually better tasting as long as you're getting them in that 18 to 14 inch range. Yeah, you know because they they just have really I mean it, and I cook them on a half shell just like a redfish. Mm-hmm. But they're really flaky yep. white meat. I mean it's delicious. Oh, it's great pan fried with a with a, like a crab butter over it. Ooh, shoot. <laughs> a buddy of mine is a chef and we were talking about fish one time and he was like, man, I don't understand the mentality of people wanting huge fish unless it's big enough to like make like steaks out of or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's like, as far as go, he's like, how big is a dinner plate? He goes, mm-hmm. that's so a 12 inch, a 15 inch fish. Those make great fillets for a dinner plate. plate. You know? Oh yeah. And they're the best tasting fish. And I'm like, man, you're, you're preaching to the choir. I, oh yeah. I totally agree, and I understand. I'm keeping redfish. They're definitely going to be below 21. Yeah, 21, 22. I I really try to get them in that 20 and a half inch range, so I don't have to worry about, you know, doing the whole sweating if I got to talk to the game warden. But at the same time, you get them as as small as legal. Yep. And them throats, man. I legally had small redfish one time. You know, it, it was a a gift from a game warden kind of a deal where I went and told the guy real nicely that, Hey, those are illegal. And they were using a pop of cork and they were popping, you know, 12 to 15 inch on every, on almost every cast. And I told him, and he basically told me I need to mind my own explicitive business. Who said that? The game warden? Problem. I will go mind my own business right this second. And I went back to my truck and I made a phone call and, Oh, you I told them guys that, and then you called oh, the game. Oh, I would have done the same yeah, thing. I went, I went and made a phone call, and it took them about forty-five minutes to get there. So in the meantime, they had a they had a damn cooler full, and any of them that were still alive got put back in the in the water. Yeah, but there were a bunch on the bottom that weren't alive, and me and two other people got a got a pretty handsome share of what we wanted out of it. And that dude <laughs> was hot, man. He was he had uh. He had a bunch of restitution money that he was going to have to pay. Oh, I imagine because they they made us they made a point of laying them all out, taking pictures of them, you know, like like letting him know like these are the ones you're going to pay for. Yeah, you know, the ones that got put back in the water, you're not paying restitution on those; they're still alive. Yeah, but, but you you cost all these redfish their life. Well, I still would have made them pay restitution on even the ones that got to swim away. They 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 tried to keep them. Might as well pay for them. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Operation Game Thief. Y'all give that call a number. That number a call if y'all see some shady activity. And, and I do recommend that, but but it's also good to know who your game wardens are in the local area that you fish in, because yeah. their numbers are posted, and and you're not going to bother them if you're making legitimate phone calls. You know. Oh no, they're they're happy. It, you know, they they do, you know, want to hear from you about it. It's it really makes the job a lot easier when. When they're not just fishing, you know, if I if I tell my my client on the kayak over there, hey, there's a redfish right here. He's moving from left to right and he's about to cross your path, you know, just just hit him with it. He's he's about to catch a redfish. You know, he's not just out there fishing now. He's not just, you know, dropping bait in the water and crossing his fingers and hoping time pays off. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all for that, man. Poaching and all that undersized fish and all that. Not a good thing for our fishery at all. Yeah, and 
you know, it's a good way to look at it if you if you see it as all those redfish are our redfish, you know. They belong to the people of the state of Texas and the people that come here to vacation and stuff. And anybody who's poaching them, is they're stealing from you and me and everybody else. It's not like they're just doing a nameless, faceless crime and it's not going to affect anybody anywhere. And, you know, and the guys that get away with filling up a cooler full of small redfish like that, you could bet your ass they're coming back tomorrow and maybe next week and until somebody says something and they, and they get, you know, and of course the guy the whole time was telling the game word and he had no idea. He thought it was, you know, it's no different than going and catching perch in a pond. There's no limit on perch in a pond, is it? And the guy's like, it's not, you know, if you're out here fishing, you need to know the laws, you know, they give yep. you a little bit. It's on you to know the rules. Yeah, you can't play stupid like that. No doubt. No doubt. So what all you been lately? You just been uh, I know you've been throwing doing some fly stuff, but uh Paddle tail wise, you you don't you sling the players slayers a lot. I do. I still fish with my slayers. You know, a lot of times it's in the morning because I'm not a big fan of blind casting the fly rod. You know, right. I, I honestly I catch a lot more flounder now that I blind cast when I do blind cast. But when it comes to blind casting, those top waters and those slayers are man, they're they're still a blast. And they still stay in the market posted it yet but I was, I was talking about how when i'm when i'm blind casting conventional tackle you know you really hit you feel the hit you know when they got it mm-hmm. and for some reason when i'm blind casting for mainly for reds on my fly rod it feels like i snagged a, a log down there or something and i just gotta know that well if it's a log i'm about to lose this fly because i'm burying the hook and mm-hmm. it'll be a redfish and it's like okay that's different you know it's you know, the flounder, you can really kind of feel them pop it. But yeah. the, the redfish just seem to, I guess it's because it's so small or something, but they just seem to stop it about like a log or an oyster on the bottom wood. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Blind casting is, is you know, you, you got to do that when you're fly fishing in the, in the morning because I mean, the sun's not quite up high enough to really get you to light that water up a little bit to see the redfish. Same thing like fishing the flats early, you know. You just unless you got some stuff waypoints marked where you know a bunch of sandbox are at. I'm the, the king of blind cast. <laughs> Until that sun comes up, and you see them sand sand holes out there, you know. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, if you don't have to worry about getting sunburnt, you're not gonna have to worry about blind casting either. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's just and then just there's just certain areas that are fishy, you know, you come around a Look in a little pocket, and there's like a little point. You know, might have a couple some shells sticking up, with some structure underneath the water, and you're like, man, there's got to be a fish sitting there. You know, sometimes there is, <laughs> or some good little drains in the area set up on them. You know, same thing. You know, I'm, I'm, I like fishing. You know, all year long. Summer is definitely not my most favorite. <laughs> Um, but yeah, give us about two, about two and a half, three months, and then we're really going to see some good stuff happen in that marsh. I'm, I'm looking forward to the fall. Oh, yeah, that's my favorite time of the year from basically from the middle of October all the way till it starts to warm up in the spring. Yeah, and when, when the fries start to hatch, it starts to get a little tough. You know, my theory is they get they get so much to eat that they're not. 
they're not blowing up on the shorelines as much and they're not having to tail as much because, you know, they're just wallowing in the mud and enjoying their, you know, their fat gut eating mm-hmm. you know, whatever they want to. It gets so thick up here, you know, in the marshes that they can pretty much just swim around with their mouth open to eat. Like very little effort involved. Yeah, but yeah. The bait gets thick. <laughs> Super thick. But yeah. Let the weather cool down just a little bit, get a couple fronts here and there. Uh, you know, them little higher tides in the fall, push them all back in that grass. We'll see the birds playing hopscotch. Uh, going straight to that. <laughs> Normally you're greeted with a rather large school of redfish. <laughs> like I've mentioned, I've mentioned it tons of times. Them birds don't like each other. They're usually not too social unless it's mating season or they're eating some stuff rooted up by the redfish. <laughs> yeah. You know, and if, you, know. if you watch them when they're doing it real close, they're not being friendly with each other. You know, they're mm-hmm. they're jockeying for position yeah. and they're not each other. Like they're, they're like trying to cut each front of each other. Yeah. They get yeah. after it. I call them redfish flags because that's what they're, yeah. you know, it's like, hey, look at me over here. I'm, you know, come come over here. <laughs> it's good old redfish. That's, yeah. You see them running down the corner line, you know, it's, you know, they're chasing that school. Yeah, you see them running and like about two or three wing flaps and they jump and move, you know, 10 foot. Then the other ones move and then they kind of, they're hopscotching each other. They're leap, playing leapfrog. Yeah, they're doing that. Better get on over there. I'll be on the other side of one lake chasing the school and then hit them. And then then you'll see something and you'll run over and hit them and then let them regroup on the other side and run back. <laughs> it can get real fun like that. Shoot, yeah. Well, man, uh, any other thing you want to share? Um, maybe some anglers just now getting into fly fishing or anything. I know we're transitioning from conventional to fly. Man, the, the best advice I can give a new fly caster is practice on land. If you if you go out and you try to practice on the water, it gets really frustrating because when you're on the water, you're, you're trying to catch fish and you want to catch fish. And if, if it's not working, instead of you really thinking your way through getting it to work it's it's just for me in my personal experience it was just way too easy to get frustrated yeah so you got a local park or something and you know something with a little bit of room some space just start out slow and you know maybe record yourself at first so you can kind of see how you look and then compare yourself to what you see other people doing in videos maybe but it's it's very uh, beneficial if you can get a you know somebody who already knows how to fly cast to give you some pointers. Yeah, and you know, it's not a long process. They can they can literally show you in a few you know just a few outings what you're doing right, what you're doing wrong, and and help you. And it's it's very very rewarding. You know that that first fish you catch on the fly. It's like you learn how to fish all over again. You know, mm-hmm. you get to bring all the knowledge that you already have when it comes to finding the redfish and knowing where they're at. And then you're you're learning a whole new technique. You know, it's like learning a new language or something. But it, yeah, it, no it's been an incredible journey for me these last two years. And it, it feels like it's only been a few months. But, you know, I look back and I'm like, wow, has it, has it already been that long that I've been fly fishing? You know, and I'm I'm literally loving every minute of it. It's you know, it's a constant learning game, and yeah. What weight rod are you using? 
eight. I've got, I got a an eight. I got an eight and a ten sitting in the garage. I've never even used them. Might need to start doing that. Yeah. Well, I think my ten weights are jinxed because if I bring them, I do not see jacks, and that's the reason uh, I bought them. Yeah. I keep seeing jacks out in the bay, and if I bring them, no jacks. If I don't bring them, schools of jacks are blowing up like dolphins, you know. And usually, yeah, no schools of jacks, it's like it's. It was a huge blow up, and then I spend the next five minutes looking for a dolphin to come up and breathe. And if I don't see a dolphin come up and breathe, I'm like, okay, that was most likely jacks. Let's go play. Yeah. But, Them old yellow fans of the bay. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm hearing a lot of people. I, I still haven't tried it. I grew up, you know, they were shark bait, they were trash fish, but I'm hearing a lot of people talk about how good they taste if you prepare them right and cook them right and. I'm not sure what that means exactly, but if I if I catch a smaller one, I might do a little catch and cook yeah. in the future. Bleed them and cut the bloodline out. It might right. be on something. <laughs> Possibly. Well, cool deal. Well, winding down here a little bit. I got a couple more little things from throw your way. We always do the pick three. Um, everybody comes on three setups. That's what it is. Pick three. Pick three setups you're gonna have with you to target redfish. Give me the type of rod, reel, line, and the bait. Go. <laughs> okay, so first right now would be my eight weight, which I'm just using my cast king that I got originally because I broke my Reddington rod. It's got a sage spectrum reel on it with some scientific angler frequency line. And that's another big one. If you're gonna get into fly fishing, get some good line. You know, you can skimp on the reel and you can skimp on the rod, but you really need good line to be able to get a good cast of this wind. Good tip. The, the fly I would use would be redfish crack. I want to say gurgler because it's so much fun to watch the topwater blowups, but, mm -hmm. but the redfish crack just doesn't get refused. You know, they they want to eat that thing. I mean, it's what something does that one look like. It, it's kind of hard to explain because it doesn't really look like a bait fish and it doesn't really, I guess it's kind of like a hybrid bait fish shrimp. Mm -hmm critter that they they look at it and it just it just you know triggers that instinctive i gotta yep. gotta eat that you know and i'd say for my inshore or for my bait caster spinning rod top water yep absolutely super spook junior you know mm -hmm. bone color or something that's a real light color i've never been a fan of the dark colors and of course slayer ink for my paddle tails yeah, you know, on a different rod, maybe on a spinning setup with a lighter jig head or something. Right, and and I'm just using a you know for my for my top water, I usually have my medium, you know, just straight medium, and then for my paddle tail, I like a a light, you know, medium light. light yep. That you know, you can actually on the on the Slayers, you can see, you know, remember how when you're dragging a spinner bait through the water, you can see your tip just vibrating. Yes, mm -hmm. that, you know you get that much action out of those little spinner. I mean, out of those little paddle tails. And I, you know, like I was out there with my buddy on Saturday, and he kept doing the twitching them and everything. And I was like, "Hey, man, just just do a slow, a slow, slow lure and let that lure send out that vibration." You know, and he he started catching almost immediately after that. You know, and I'm not saying yep. that the Texas two twitch doesn't work or anything like that. You know, because I I definitely do it myself. But mm -hmm. a lot of times you can just let that lure just do a nice steady swim and it'll, yeah. it'll take care of business for you. 
Yeah, I'm gonna throw like a stick bait, kind of like the air tail shad or something, or like a Kelly Wiggler with the ball tail. I'm gonna do more have more of those twitching erratic actions. But if I'm throwing a paddle tail, like the kickback shad from Grande, or like you said, the, the Slayer Leap, or the Slayer Inc., the SST, and then what else? They have some of the bigger ones. Um, all I know is the SSTs. That's all SST, I'll fish with. That's right. Those things, man, I caught everything in the bay on those except for a triple tail. And I'm reeling those mainly slow, steady retrieve, and sometimes a pause every now and then, and then just start reeling. No really twitches. They got that good swagger, you know. It calls them in. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I got my first pedal drive kayak, I started really trolling baits around, and that's when I became a believer in just a straight, steady retrieve because mm-hmm. I was catching more quality-sized trout. You know, and the bad thing is, is I look at it like, hey, when I troll through an area and I catch a trout, I'll turn around and work that area. Yeah. And I'll catch a nice trout and I, you know, you know, land it, deal with it, go back, work the area, not really catch anything, maybe a couple of dinks. And then I troll through the area again and catch another solid trout. And it got to the point where I'm literally out there doing big, goofy circles and people are looking at me like, what the hell is that guy in a kayak out there doing? Is he lost or something? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just trolling through that same area. And almost every pass over the oysters, I'll, I'll pick up another 18 to 22 inch speck. Yep. You know, it's like, I don't, I don't have a, an excuse as to why they wouldn't want to hit it when I'm just sitting there working it. But yep. it, there's quite a few rivers and bayous around here that it sure does work in the wintertime. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yes, sir. That's, that's pretty much all I did. The, the winter right before the freeze, I that was probably my best winter for trout fishing, right up to the freeze. And yeah, when I went out with uh, you, you know Kenneth Kenneth Yetter, yeah, we went out down to Port O'Connor after the freeze, and we were slamming some really nice trout, and they were they were all like skinny as a rail, and they didn't look very healthy, and we ended up just leaving them biting because we felt bad for them, like. You know, we're just fishing artificial, so we're not even feeding these guys. We're just making them yeah. spend what little bit of energy they have left. To let's leave them yeah, alone. because they killed a lot more bait than the bigger fish, for sure. Yeah, yeah. but it, we've got a good rebound. I've, I've, I've caught some solid fish here lately, and I fished, you know, I fished after the freeze in some, some well-known winter spots and did pretty good, too. Um, you know, it's just certain areas where the shallow water, uh, you know, was affected, definitely. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, I did a I did a pretty good around the base survey as much as I could after the freeze. Yeah. And all I I mainly just saw a bunch of bait fish, mullet, you know, sand trout, small speckled trout. I didn't see any reds until about a week or two later when we were out fishing, but and then I still saw very few reds. Yeah, they're a little more hardy than the trout are for sure. I'll tell you what's fun. Sheep's head, like sight casting them on the on the oyster on the flats. There's some, and you can get them around some structure that shallow water. Throw a little crab, crusty crab, a little lightweight crab on a light spinning rod. Them little two three pound sheephead are a blast. I bet I bet they'd be fun on a fly rod for sure. <laughs> they're, they're my nemesis. I've I've probably casted at a thousand and caught one so far, and mm. it really frustrates me because I've got buddies that can go out there and catch them like you know on purpose. Hey, I'm going to go catch some sheep's head and they'll catch five or eight. And I'm like, what the hell? And they're like, this is what I use. And I'm like, that's what I use. Why don't they like me? <laughs> so, I'm, so I'm stuck with redfish for now. But, I man, if I'm, if I'm eating 
any of our inshore fish, I'd have to say sheep's head is my preferred because it's it's like you're eating almost like lobster or something. It is so super delicate white flesh. Sweet. Yeah, it is. They're they're a real pain to clean, but they are worth it. Yeah, for sure, for for sure on that. All right, I got another one for you. It's just a no explanation or anything, just a quick answers. It's called a, doing. We do the pick three, and then now we got a quick five. It's just five quick shot questions right here. Redfish or trout? Redfish. Conventional or fly? Fly. Kayak or boat? <sighs> Kayak. Sweet. Spring or fall? <laughs> oh, fall all day. All right. Astros or Rangers? Astros. There you go. All right. <laughs> Where's the cheers at? <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's the one thing I miss about living in Houston is being able to just go, hey, let's go watch an Astros game tonight. I know. Right? They were, I know. And back then, before they won the World Series, you could actually just on a whim go. I think now yeah. they stay good and sold out. So you got to have some plans. I know we, we when we were in Georgia, we were we were going to try to go to a Savannah Bananas game. If you haven't heard of them, check out that team or check out their Instagram and Facebook and all that. They 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 turned that minor league team into like a big uh, big deal. <laughs> they all kind of cool, got all kind of cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty dang cool. We we didn't get to make it, couldn't get tickets because they're always sold out, but. Uh, it's definitely on my list to make it back over there, Savannah, and go see the games along with some of the great restaurants they have over there. So, yeah, man. Uh, I love baseball, too. It's just, you know, like you said, after the Astros won that World Series, it's tough to just go on a whim anymore, you know. You know, you know, especially if the Braves come to town. I'd like to, like to see them play the Braves. Something like that was to happen. You know, I'd like to get over there, check them out. So what's what's going on in the future? What you got coming up? Anything big? Or? I'm honestly, I'm just kind of enjoying the fly fishing thing and just trying to keep it steady. And I, I swear, every time I go out, I learn something new, and I'm just enjoying the you know the whole experience, every bit of it. I, I'm honestly, from where I coming from, where I grew up over on the Bolivar Peninsula, I I have to pinch myself sometimes and be like, man, this is all this nice, beautiful water and everything, and I'm still here in Texas. You know, this is it, it's amazing here. Yeah. Well that certain area with that nice beautiful water. I haven't haven't been on the water there with you in a while. So we're gonna have to plan a trip over there here pretty soon. Um fall coming up and all that, you know, less people there in the summer with the fall than the summer. So uh yeah, it'll be about prime time coming up in some other areas. There's some other stuff I want to check out. I'm gonna have to get get you to Join me. There's some other back areas I haven't been to in a while and we want to revisit. <laughs> we need to go check them out. Well, sounds good. For sure, man. Well, yeah, we appreciate you, you know, coming on the show tonight. Everybody that uh, is oh, on here, you good. <laughs> there you go. If you want to follow David on uh, Instagram, check him out at uh, the dot trail chaser. The the dot trail chaser scrolling across the bottom of the screen if you're watching right there and on YouTube trail chaser it is in one word trail chaser check him out if you hadn't um, heard of him or seen his videos go uh, subscribe and give him a shout 
And I thank y'all for watching tonight. Looks like Dave might have froze up there on us. But, yeah, thanks for watching tonight. Uh, chasing the Tide there. Y'all can follow along on my adventures um, on IG at Dustin Nichols VTX right there. Uh, so, yeah, once again, we thank everybody for tuning in, watching or listening. Thank you all for everything uh, tonight. And uh, we appreciate David coming on um, the show with us. Hope everybody's having fun. I know um, this will be out after ICAST is finished, but most of our uh, some of our crew is over there at ICAST in Orlando this year, having a good time. I'm, I'm not making it this year. I'm on my way to Connecticut next week for um, Three Bells Outfitters, a uh, little trifecta event they're going to have. So looking forward to that. And we're going to wrap up the show. We thanks everybody for coming and tuning in. And we are out. Chasing the Tide. Catch y'all next time. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode here on Paddle and Finn. Be sure to drop a five-star rating, a thumbs up, or smash that subscribe button on any platform you're listening in on. Be sure to check us out on Waypoint TV, waypointtv.com. Make sure you sign up for the Fantasy Kayak Fishing League at paddleandfin.com forward slash fantasy. You could support this show through Patreon, patreon.com forward slash paddleandfin. Don't forget to check out the website paddleandfin.com. Catch us on YouTube. If you got a question, comment, or want to see a future guest on the show, be sure to email us at paddleandfin at gmail.com. Shout out to our show supporters, Yak Gadget. You can check out all the fine kayak accessories at yakgadget.com. Pelican Professional. For all your cases, coolers, and lighting needs, go to pelican.com. Rocktown Adventures. Your Midwest premier paddle sports destination. Go to rocktownadventures.com. Eastport Marina. The beautiful destination on Dale Hollow Lake. If you're looking for lodging, kayaks, kayak accessories, or anything fishing related on the beautiful Dale Hollow Lake, go to eastport.info. And Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and fill your tackle boxes today.